0: Welcome to Croxley Green Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. Thank you. Where would you prefer me to stand? Somewhere here? Is that okay? Can I stand here? Is that fine? I don't know if you have uh, like a set routine that you want people to follow. Um, It's lovely to be with you this morning. Thanks for um, coming out. And um, uh, I love love preaching to all sorts of uh, different demographics. And it's my privilege and pleasure um, to be with you. Between the two services, I will have to ring my uh, grandmother, who is uh, 93 today, so if you could remind me to ring uh, ring her. Uh, Despite being 93, she still um, gives me pocket money. So I'm I'm 38, and I've got uh, at least two jobs and uh, two two children. I I pay a mortgage and things like that. But my grandmother still hasn't really got past the fact that I'm not in school anymore. Uh, So every time I, I see her... Um, she will tend to slip me five pounds and, and say, don't tell your mum. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I'll say, well, why can't I tell mum? What well, is her money. Okay, fair, that is, yeah, fair enough. So um, thank you for the wonderful reading that was done. That was wonderful. And I want to read uh, something else which is in, in line with this. Um, this is really, I think, what... Um, what God would say to you individually and as a community you'll have, you'll have heard it before it's in here, but i I think that the point I want to make this morning is that um, God is speaking always to us his words of truth and love, both corporately and individually um, because He is the same yesterday today and forever. You can see how he's lighting up my face now with that so as I read this, just, just imagine how you would feel if it actually was God speaking to you directly. The twist is that it is. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on you because the Lord has anointed you to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent you to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. I really want to encourage you that that is about you. And obviously, it's Isaiah 61, it prophesies the coming of Jesus. But because it's about him, now it's about and for you. You see, in Romans 4, Paul is talking about how Abraham's faith was credited to him as righteousness, And then it says, the words, it was credited to him, were written not just for him, but also for us, for all of us who believe in the one who raised our Lord Jesus from the dead. That's the bit which hooks us into the narrative of Scripture. If you believe that Jesus is your Lord, if you live as though Jesus is your Lord, then the words that were for Abraham, the words that are in Isaiah 61, are also for you. If you believe the Bible at all, then you have to believe that the Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on you. And that's really good news. And I want to ask you, if that's not for you, if that's not about you in your context, if the Spirit of the Sovereign Lord isn't on you, then who's going into Croxley Green to bind up the broken-hearted. Who else is going? If it's not about you, who is it about? Jesus isn't wandering around in person, but he sent his church to go and make disciples. In this room, we have more people than were there at the start of Christianity. The whole Christian mission started... Because 11 terrified people in a function room above a pub experienced something that changed their entire mentality. They thought their saviour was a fraud. They thought their leader, he'd been killed, and he was a fraud. And that therefore, they were fools. And then they met him and they touched his, his wrist and they saw that he was risen. And it transformed them into the greatest missionary force the world has ever seen. But the same Holy Spirit at work in that upper room is exactly the same Holy Spirit at work in this room. The Holy Spirit doesn't have a sell-by date. And, and nor do you, actually. It doesn't matter how your body is feeling these days, or even whether your mind is as sharp as it might have been. Your soul is eternal. And just as alive... As it's ever been. And the Holy Spirit, the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, is at work in you. And I would just want to encourage you this morning to trust that. Because we are not neutral. We're not in intellectual neutral. We always believe something. And if you don't believe that the Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on you, if you don't believe that the Lord has anointed you to proclaim good news to the poor, freedom for the captives, release from darkness for the prisoners. You are still believing things about yourself. And the things you might believe, are, well, no, the Lord hasn't anointed me for that. I'm not that important to God. I haven't, you know, I haven't felt that call on my life. But then you start to believe lesser things about yourself. You start to believe that maybe you're not one of God's favourites, or... You know, you don't have the same gifts as, as other people. And it's it's a lie. We obviously have different giftings. We're different parts of the same body. But we're all part of the same body, and God does not show favouritism. He doesn't show favoritism. So the Archbishop of Canterbury and you will receive exactly the same welcome when you get to the gates of heaven, which is well done good and faithful servant. So I want to encourage us all, and you preached to yourself first of all, I want to encourage us all. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on you. Croxley Green is waiting for this church community to fully understand who Jesus is in them and who you are because of Jesus. This is why we call it the gospel. It's good news. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead is at work in you. But you, you just have to choose what you want to do with that. In the same way, if I, if I told you that you know, I've, I've deposited a million pounds into a bank account for you, I, I haven't, I'm, I'm afraid. But if I had, and I gave you the card, the money's there, but you still have to go and draw it out. You still have to make the choice to go to the cash point Put in the numbers that I've given you and withdraw the money. Jesus stands at the door and knocks, but he won't crash in through the conservatory or kick down the patio door. He waits to be wanted. He waits for us to engage with him. But I just want to encourage you that the good news, the really good news, is that in this room, you lack nothing. For the transformation of Croxley Green as a community, you lack nothing. You have more people than Christianity started with, and you have the same Holy Spirit. And you have your passions, and your wisdom, and your experience, and your knowledge. You lack for nothing. The, The big problem for the UK church, as I've gone around the country preaching, I've realized that the big problem for the UK church is actually not the unbelief of the unbelievers, it's the unbelief of the believers It's the unbelief that we have about how God sees us. And lots of us, not so much my generation, but lots of you will have been brought up to believe that repentance means stop being naughty. But repentance means change your mind and turn around. Or change your mind about what? About how valuable you are to God. The creator of the universe says that you are worth dying for. Not just that at the cross your sins are forgiven so that the punishment that you deserved was on him. That's happening at the cross, but lots of things are happening at the cross. What's also happening at the cross is that God is showing you your value, that the perfect creator of the universe would enter history on your behalf to show you that you are worth dying for. And living for. He had you in mind. As he was creating the universe, he had you in mind. And you might not be persuaded by that, but the the Bible disagrees with you. And one of you is wrong. God's message to you through Scripture is much more positive and encouraging than the messages we tell ourselves. Repentance means change your mind. Change your mind about what? About how valuable to your, you are to God. And turn around from what and to what? From the path that you've been walking, which might not lead to destruction. You see, we have an enemy. We can call it Satan or the devil or whatever. Whatever. We have an enemy. There is a spiritual enemy. And Satan cannot rewire the universe. Satan cannot change the fact that Jesus came to die on your behalf, for you. Satan cannot change the fact that God says you're worth dying for, and you are more valuable than gold. Satan can't do that. But what Satan can do is is to try and rewire your mind So that you stop believing that. Satan can't touch your soul because your soul is safe. But he can he can corrupt your mind so that you're just immobilized. It's, It's a military, it's spiritual. This is what we mean by spiritual warfare. The enemy is simply trying to immobilize people. If everyone in this room actually knew how much. Power, and love, and self-control—you've been given by God. Well, Croxley Green would explode with the proclamation of the gospel, and it's the same everywhere. So it's not like everywhere else is doing really well. But Crox—I've come here because actually Croxley Green is really falling short of the standard. It's the same everywhere, but it's good news. It's encouraging. It's—it's it's a challenge, but it's not a criticism for all of us. There's a journey to go on of understanding whatever age that we're at that Jesus says we're worth dying for and God's spirit is in us. And so who can be against us? And in this world we will have trouble but we can take heart because he has overcome the world. And greater is he who's in us than he who is in the world. We have have a, a, a problem in that we, we switch things round. So, in the New Testament, your sin is always talked of as being dead. It's not dying or about to die. Your sin is dead. Paul says, think of yourselves as dead to sin. You are dead to sin, so think about it that way. And in Hebrews, it says that the Word of God is living and active. So the Word of God is living and active, and your sins are dead. But the the problem that we have, and that I have, is that sometimes I I swap those around. I treat the word of God as though it's spiritually dead, and my sins as though they're living and active. And so I choose. I choose who I serve. We we have a choice. And this is why I wanted us to uh, read Romans 8 and Romans 12, because in in, in Romans 8, it talks about how we are now and Galatians 4 says the same thing, we're, we're not slaves anymore, but we're sons and daughters. We are co-heirs with Christ. We are, Jesus is the heir to all things, and we are co-heirs with him. It's tr- we get everything that Jesus gets. We get the joy and the freedom and the hope and the peace. We also have to get the suffering and the, and the persecution, that's what happened. See, that's what happens when you understand who you are and you step out and you preach the gospel. You'll get persecuted and, and verbally uh, abused and dismissed. But, I mean, that probably is it for us. None of us are going to be beheaded. I mean, I don't know what Crocs of Green is like, but I, uh, it seems quite nice. But we're no longer slaves. And we have to choose to believe that. You know, the chains are gone. The chains are gone. But if we choose to sit back in our prison cell, whatever our prison cell is, it might be a, a addiction or an anxiety or, you know, fear of abandonment or, or fear of isolation. It might, be, it might be the lies that we've been told because some people in this room have been told lies that have never been broken. You might have been told that you would never amount to anything, that you, that you weren't... Uh, that you weren't very loved, that you're not a good friend, that you're, you're not worth spending a lifetime with, that you're useless. And some of you might have been told these things decades ago, and it's not true, but you've been living as though it's true. Because for something to be believed, it doesn't actually have to be true. Something doesn't have to be true for, for you to believe it. You just have to hear it enough times without allowing a greater truth to come in. So this morning, if nothing else happens, I just want to encourage you that if you've been told you're you're worthless, God disagrees with that. If you've been told that you're not worth loving, God disagrees with that. If you've been told that you don't have any gifts or um, that you're you're too old uh, to start anything now, God disagrees with that. And before anybody else said anything to you in your life, God spoke first. Before anybody else tried to put a claim on your identity, God spoke first. And he will speak last. And he's the only one who actually speaks with real authority. I want to just encourage us to allow the truth to break off the power of lies. Because we can be enslaved by those lies. For a long time, I, I, I lived as though I was lazy, because I was told lots of times as a child that I, that I was lazy. I was in school, in geography, and I was told, oh, you're, you're lazy. I wasn't lazy, I just didn't care about fjords or oxbow lakes. I didn't care. That's not laziness. <laughs> Once I found what it is that the Lord wanted for me, which is to tell people about Jesus, I work incredibly hard. But I didn't start doing that for a long time because I had this belief that I was lazy, but it wasn't the voice of God. There is an, a, Scripture talks about an accusing voice, but it's not God's voice. So this morning I just want us to think, you know, where, are those, where are those lies that I've been believing, maybe for generations, maybe for decades, and just allow the, the truth of the gospel, God's word, which is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword, So just break those lies off. Just break those lies off and release freedom. Because you're no longer slaves but sons and daughters. You are adopted into God's family. God is not a a sergeant major or a, a, a drill instructor or a factory owner or the demon headmaster. He's your dad. He's your father. And he calls you son or daughter, son or daughter. The creator of the universe says that you are his. That's why we call it the gospel because it's good news. And you see, a lot of a lot of people are turning to things to find to find the answer to their the problems that they're experiencing. So mindfulness is very, is very popular these days. Mindfulness is sort of Eastern idea that you, know, you, you control your thoughts and you direct your thoughts in a certain way so it makes you feel better. And it, it works because that's how the universe has been wired. But Romans 12, in fact, the whole of the New Testament is, is full of proper mindfulness that leads you to the truth with a capital T. Romans 12 says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Change your mind once you understand who God is and who you are in his sight, your mind will be renewed and your life will be transformed. Because imagine if you left this building today knowing in a new way that you are called child, son or daughter, that you are in royal robes. Whether you deserve them or not, you are in royal robes. Imagine if you left this morning knowing that Galatians 5.1 is actually true for you. That it is for freedom that Christ has set you free. Imagine if you left knowing that the, the final verse of Romans 8 is true. That there is now nothing that can separate you from the love of God. There is nothing that can separate you from the love of God, neither death nor life, angels or demons, the present or the future, nor any power, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation that can separate you from God's love. Imagine if you actually left believing that that was true. It is true. So repent, Christians. Believe the truth that nothing can separate you from God's love. You are free. You're not a slave. We have to change our mind. And it's all through the New Testament. James 1, consider it pure joy when troubles come. It doesn't say when troubles come, you'll think, oh, this is amazing. I can't wait for these troubles to overwhelm me. Consider it pure joy. Jesus says in John chapter 8, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. But the truth isn't a concept, it's a person. Jesus is the truth, the way, the truth, and the life. You come to him, and he will set you free. But we've got, to, we've got to let him. We've got to trust him more than we trust these well-worn beliefs that we've been living off for years and decades. My daughter Heidi, too, she came. We went on holiday on, on, on the beach last year, and I bought her one of those little buckets from the terrible seaside shops. And the bucket became detached. The handle became detached from the bucket. And she came up to me on the beach. She said, Daddy, you fix it. I said I will fix it, um, give the bucket to me and so she, she gave me the bucket but she kept the handle I said um, I, need, I need both bits Heidi, she said no you fix it, I said I will fix it Heidi, nobody wants to fix this bucket more than me but I actually need you to give me all of it so that I can fix it and she thought about it, she said no, you fix it this went on for about 40 seconds the point is God is not unwilling to give us the peace and hope and joy and freedom and love that we really need and and want. But we have to surrender everything that we have to him. We have to trust him. We have to trust that when we come into his presence, he won't cast us out or turn us away. He will say, son, daughter, you are so welcome. Come to me, because in my presence is fullness of joy. And no matter what you've done, no matter where you've been, no matter how like, much you think you've failed as a Christian or as a, as a person, the first verse of Romans 8 says there's now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. It doesn't say there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus unless you think there is, or unless you're worse than most people. There's no condemnation. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. This is what it means to be transformed by the renewing of our mind, to change our mind. He's not distant. You know, you ask a Hindu, what is God like? And they'll say, neti neti, which is not this, not this. Well, I don't need to know who God's not. It doesn't help me to know that God's not a ham sandwich. That doesn't help my life at all. I want to know who he is. Gandhi one of the greatest men who ever lived, said, it's an unbroken torture to me that I don't know my creator. There isn't another religion where God is knowable. If you you talk to Muslims about the idea that God is knowable, they would would laugh at you. Because the idea that Allah would would make himself in any way knowable is a a joke to them. It's good news, the gospel is good news, because God has come to find us against the backdrop of all these religions where God is not knowable and is distant and doesn't love you unconditionally and isn't really that into you at all. Jesus comes and he says, if, if you've seen me, you have seen the Father. This is what God is like. He's the servant king, the suffering servant, who lays down his life for his friends. And you're his friends. You might have made him your enemy, but... You're his friends. And he lays down his life for you. This is how this is how we know. This is how God demonstrates his love for us, as in this is how we know God loves us. Christ died for us. You want to know if God loves you? Christ died for you. You want to know if you're free? Christ died for you. It's the truth. Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Satan is described as the father of lies. He's not described as the father of negative emotions or... woo. I believe in the demonic. I'm a charismatic Christian. I pray for healing. I do all of that stuff. But the demonic is is mainly lies because, as I said earlier, if, if the enemy, if Satan can get you to believe something that's not true, well, you'll just be immobilized. He's the father of lies. A lot of mental health issues come from that belief that you're not really that worth anything that you're on your own. And the mental health issues are real, but they, they, start with, they start with a lie. And Jesus says, I'm the truth, so let's listen to him. Let's listen to the voice of the Father, not the voice of the accuser. Because when you understand who you are, let me put it another way, until you understand who you are, how can anybody in Croxley Green understand who God is? Because you're his messenger. You're not... You're not a Deliveroo driver. Just Oh, here's, here's the gospel. Just sign for this, please. Like, you are wearing his royal robes. You are his representative. And it's, he trusts you with that. He's not detached from you. But until we understand who we are in Christ, how can Croxley Green know who Christ is? The goodness of the gospel. So it's just a challenge for all of us to be encouraged that we actually do have good news. We actually have the best news, the only show in town. No one else is offering good news. No, one, no other religion, no other worldview is offering anything like the good news that the gospel offers. Other religions will tell you that you can know some things about God. They might give you good advice, but they can't give you good news. But not only have you got good news, you are Good news. You're the good news for your neighbours. You're the good news for your community. I just want to encourage you to believe the, the truth and reject the lie. I'm just going to pray for us now if that's okay. And as, as I'm doing that, just maybe just, just ask Jesus to speak to you. Just ask God what he wants to say to you about how he loves you. Or ask him to reveal one of the lies that you've been believing that he needs to deal with and then just nail it to the cross. In your mind, just take the lie you've been believing and just nail it to the cross and walk away knowing that you're free. I'll just pray for us. Father, we thank you that we're not alone in the universe. Father, we thank you that the Eternal words of scripture say that you will never leave us and never forsake us. That in your presence is fullness of joy. That nothing can separate us from the love of God. That we do not stand condemned. But our sins have been washed as white as snow. That we are free And Lord, you have given us your peace. You've left us with your peace. You don't give as the world gives. Holy Spirit, would you come now and would you just remind people in this room of how much you love them? And Lord, for those people who've never really your loving kindness, would would you just would you just rest that on them now, Lord? Holy Spirit, would you just come and reassure people that they are loved? Maybe you're just hearing in your mind, maybe you're just hearing the phrase, I love you. Well, that's, that's God speaking to you. Maybe some people are hearing, welcome back or welcome home. Or I'm pleased with you. Or it's not over. These little phrases that God just drops into our spirit when we let him. I'm with you. Father, I just pray a blessing over everybody here. Thank you so much. The people in this building. Thank you, Lord, that even though our bodies will die, our souls are safe. So the battle is in the mind. I just pray over all of us that blessing that we would be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Thank you, Jesus. In your name we pray.